Baruch Hashem, girls, I, I, ladies, I'm so happy that you joined. Shalom, Mrs. Yerushalmi. I hope you're having a nice Hanukkah. Uh, okay, so today's going to be a combination of a few things. I have one or two videos. Um, so I, I just have to be able to work my techie tech stuff well, but I hope it's going to work. Okay, we want to start with, of course, uh, we're still in Hanukkah, so I want to talk a little bit about Hanukkah, not a little bit, a lot of it. Uh, bring in Parshat Shavuot of this week and next week, right? Vayeshev is last week, Miketz is this week. Let me just uh, throw in, uh, everybody should know that this Shabbat is a unique situation. This is not the class, just to give you uh, a little excitement. If you go to shul, this Shabbat, they're going to take out three Sifrei Torah, three Sifrei Torah, because three things are happening at the same time. It's Shabbat, which is beautiful, Right, so we need a Sefer Torah to read Parshat Miketz, which is Parshat Hashavua. It is also, hi Ellen, it's also Rosh Chodesh. I'm just talking about this Shabbat, Ellen, that's uh, unique. Uh, it's also Rosh Chodesh, Rosh Chodesh Tevet is this Shabbat. So they're going to take out a Sefer Torah to read from the Rosh Chodesh section, and it's Hanukkah. So this is a unique situation where they have to give a lot of people honors, which is nice. It's easier for the Gabbai. You get to give out more kibudim. okay? All right, so I want to include Hanukkah. I want to include Pashiot HaShavua, past and present and future. And I also want to point out that it's unique, very unique, especially when it's right before a leap year, that Hanukkah and Thanksgiving weekends were basically on the same weekend. You know, and thank God... Shiva Flappish went straight from Thanksgiving weekend into Hanukkah vacation. So I'm going to start with that right away. And I'm going to start with that concept of a very famous question. This is the most famous question um, that the Shulchan Aruch, the tour, asks about Hanukkah. Everybody knows this question. Um, we'll do a basic answer, and then we'll do a deeper answer, okay? Because we have very deep-thinking people on this. On this uh, very nice. Okay, here we go. The basic question is, Hanukkah is eight days because there was a miracle. They found the Pach Shemen. There was only enough Shemen for one day, and it lasted for eight days. So come on, everybody knows the question. What's the question? If there was enough oil for what? For one day, that means the first day, it really wasn't a miracle. They had the oil for the first day. So technically, it was only eight or uh, seven days of miracle. So Madua Hanukkah is eight days. Interesting, I gave a quiz in my class. I won't say the name of the, kid who, the kids who wrote that. And I said, how many days is Hanukkah? Eight. And then I say, how many days is Hanukkah in Israel? And a few said, seven. Okay, that's not true. That's the only, <laughs> that's the Pesach Sukkot situation. So, so maybe you, you think that maybe Israel is smarter than we are, that they only celebrate seven. No, they don't. They celebrate eight days. So it's a great question. Right? Everybody understand the question. Let me give you two basic answers that is easy. One is there's a miracle that they actually found the Pach Shemen. That's a miracle, right? It was hidden. We're going to get to that soon also. And there is a simple answer. The simple answer is <clears throat> that they knew it's going to take a week to make pure oil because all the other oils were tamay. It takes a week for the Tumah. So instead of burning the whole thing the first day, they decided, you know what, let's do a little each day. And, you know, this way it won't burn the whole 24 hours, but better than nothing. And what was the miracle is that the eighth, you know, the eighth, the part eighth, 
lasted a whole day. So that was a miracle. Nice. Okay, answer. We're going to go real deep. Everybody ready to go? Here we go. I'm going to start with a pasuk. That's one of my favorite pasukim. Okay. And Mrs. Antibi. Wow. Wow. I, I became formal. I said Mrs. Antibi. But we'll talk about it later. Okay, here we go. We'll start with the very first source. Okay. And we're going to share. So there's a pasuk that I want to look at right here. In Devarim Chavchet. Devarim Chavchet is an area, not a great area. It's actually an area where they talk about the, the Kalalot, that sometimes God is not going to be happy with us. Why is God not sometimes not happy with us? Look what it says. Tachat asherlo avadata et Hashem elokecha. Tachat means because of. Lo avadata et Hashem elokecha. You didn't serve Hashem, your God. Besimcha uvetuv levad. You know, God is not happy with us if we're not totally happy with our life. Interesting. Which means if something in life is not fulfill us, that Hashem is not happy with us. And then it says two words here. Merov kol. Rov means uh, a lot of. Kol means everything. So the first question you might want to ask is, what do those two words mean? I, I know what I mean, but why are they here? Okay? Leave it. This parsha of the Klalot starts off with the parsha of Bikurim. The opening verse discusses the mitzvah of bringing the Bikurim, the first fruits of the farming season to Jerusalem, as an offering to God. The offering is not is to be followed by a declaration that Hashem has fulfilled His promise to bring us to Israel and give us abundant groups, uh, crops. This section concludes by saying, "V'samachla," like I just said. We should be happy with all that God gives us. In other words, if we appreciate what God has given us then we will be happy. As the saying goes, happiness may not lead to gratitude, but gratitude certainly leads to happiness. Okay, so what do we see? We see a pasuk, because the whole concept of Bikurim is, I have the tree, and I have the fruit, and I'm bringing it to God. So it's a concept of hakarat It's a concept of appreciating. Oh, so we get a little bit of an insight. Hashem is saying, if we don't have the midah, right? The midah, the, 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 uh, the character trait of appreciating everything we have, right? If we take things for granted, Hashem is not happy with us, and he's not happy because we're not happy. Very nice. Okay, what does that have to do with my question? And what does it have to do with Hanukkah? So I'm going to go a stretch, okay? A little part of this you should recognize, but the stretch you might not. I'm not going to blame anybody for not being here last week. It's okay. It's okay. But for those of us who were here last week, and those who weren't, let me tell you, we quoted a very famous pasuk in two weeks ago, Parsha. It was before Yaakov Avinu encountered Esav after 20 years. Does anybody remember the pasuk that we alluded to, Hanukkah, in that pasuk? Anybody remember? No, okay. So I'll tell it to you now. Yaakov is praying to Hashem, Hatsilenina, right? Please what? Save me, Miyad, remember? Achi, from my brother, Miyad Esav. Do we not know? We asked last week, do we not know by now that Esav is his brother, right? We know that. Eleanor, you didn't answer the question. I'm a little surprised, but it's okay. I know why, I know why it says Achi, because it's sometimes when you, are, you, you could get too close to an evil person and you can assimilate. Very good. So that's what we, we mentioned. I wanted, I, I'm going to harp on that. 
that there are two threats of the Asap, right? Two threats. One is the Achi, that he wants to assimilate, he wants to get close, he wants to, you know, teach me his ways. And Asap, of course, is the, is the one who wants to kill me. And we've mentioned that the two holidays that are similar are representative of those, right? The Hanukkah one is the which one, girls? Hanukkah is the, the spiritual the no, spiritual no. one, right? The spiritual one. Very good. So that's Achi. And the, the Haman one, Purim, is Asaph. That's what we said last week. And I hope you liked it. And uh, I hope you like it now. I want to stretch this a little bit. You said it very nice, Eleanor. When you get close to somebody, all right, let me flip this a little bit. Mothers on this Zoom, I don't know if teenagers would like this, but here it goes. Sometimes moms and dads say, I don't like the guy you're hanging out with. I don't like the group that you're hanging out with. Why not? They just, they don't have good midot. They, they don't have, you know, not only in spirituality, I don't like the way, you know, they act in certain ways. I don't like their philosophy. Everybody can understand that. So sometimes maybe, maybe Yaakov was praying that he should not also be suckered in to an Esav concept of behavior. All right, is that sold for a second? Now I wanna go to something that some of you might remember. Here we go. Okay, now I gotta share. Guys, pray that I know what I'm doing. Yeah, I know what I'm doing. Do I know what I'm doing? I should know what I'm doing. Here we go. Oh, no, no, that's not what I'm doing. Yeah, here it is. You should remember this, and if not, I'd love to teach you it for the first time. You see what this pasuk is? And this pasuk, by the way, is Vayishlach to Shabbat This is after Yaakov encountered Esau. After. After he encountered Esau. Got it? And he was successful, right? He beat the Malach, and he also won the battle, and then they hugged, and they kissed. Beautiful. Right after this, this is the pasuk right after their meeting. Thank God, Esav left. He went to Har Seir. It was a successful meeting between Yaakov and Esav. Yud Zayin, girls, the next pasuk. Yaakov nasa Sukota. Yaakov traveled to a place called Sukot. And he built a house. Yaakov smart. First thing a Jew does when he comes into a neighborhood, gets into real estate. And he made huts for his sheep. This is very famous, girls. I hope you remember some of it. Therefore, he called the place Sukkot. Okay, so you should remember this question. Therefore, the place is named Sukkot just because, hi, Shifra, just because he built a hut for his animals? That's kind of weird. Second of all, who cares? Well, who cares about all this? Why is this I so just important? all of Pathfinders is listening. Oh, now, you now have I'm the under, whole office. You have now Pauline, I'm pressure. You have Doris. And now I'm under Doris, your mother-in-law's okay, on. Okay, and you oh. have Sonia. It's the whole office. Okay. I hope I don't have Carol because she's too religious for me. Okay. <laughs> all right. Well, you don't have Carol yet. Okay, thank God. Thank God. I, 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 I don't want to mess with Rabbi Sutton. You understand? That's that's too okay. heavy for me. All right. Yeah. Okay. Um I'm mute myself. Hi, Miriam. Shifra, I never want you to mute yourself ever in life. Oh, ever. I'm muting. I'm muting yeah. because right. I don't want any background noise, but we're all listening. All and right. Thank you. Amen. 
Okay, so listen, because this is very deep. So this part you might remember. So the question is, why tell us at all? Like, who cares? You want to say that, that Asaph went to say here, I got it. Why is this so important? So believe it or not, believe it or not, some people learn, where is our biggest encounter with the Esav in the world, the Yetzirah? What day is the day we battle the Yetzirah? No? Come on. What's the day of the year? The whole... Yom Kippur! I was going to say, yes, there we go. So some people say this is an illusion that Yom Kippur just passed. What holiday comes after Yom Kippur? Sukkot, there it is. So here it is. It says it because Sukkot, which is the holiday of celebration that we are celebrating winning Esau. Okay, all right, maybe. But I still don't understand why is it so important? Now watch, it goes more, it goes more, it goes more. It gets deeper and deeper and deeper. Share, here we go. The Beit Yosef writes in the name of his brother, Rabbi Yehuda, that the three festivals, Pesach, Shavuot, and Sukkot, correspond to the patriarchs, Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov. Whoa. So this is not just Sukkot that he named it Sukkot. The entire holiday of Sukkot, the entire holiday of Sukkot is compared to Yaakov because of this. Let's go a little more. Okay. Sukkot is associated with Baruch because the story records that right after Yaakov met with his brother Esau, after they parted in peace, Yaakov journeyed to Sukkot and built himself a house. And for his livestock, he made Sukkot. So why is that such an important thing? Okay, let me get an answer from somebody here. Each holiday has a name, right? Chag Hadis, Chag Hadat, Chag Hadat. What is the name of Sukkot? Chag Hasif and Zman Simchaseinu. Right. Did you hear those two things that Elnor just said, Rebus and Elnor? Chag Asif and Zman Simchaseinu. Let's go slow. Maze Chag Ha'asif. What does that mean? Harvest. Less off. Do you know what happens in a harvest concept? Harvest is the time that you get the moment to count your inventory. It's the moment to see how successful were you this year financially. To see how you're doing compared to everybody else. And that, by the way, is a direct contradiction to Zman Simchatenu. Because what causes a person not to be happy? What causes a person not to be happy is he drives by, uh, I don't know, Bedford Avenue, and he goes, I don't have a house like that. He goes out to, I don't want to say the word deal, so we'll not say it, okay? He goes to Borough Park, and he goes, I don't have that. I don't have that many kids. I don't have my kids going to Harvard. I don't have that when we take stock of what we have. So what's the answer? How do you, how do you get Zman Simchatenu in Chagasif? The answer is, girls, you become a Yaakov. Come on now, come on, tell me before I show it. Why did Yaakov, girls, you know this. Why did Yaakov build huts for his sheep? And who cares why? Because he was grateful that he had sheep. Right, because sheep made him successful. Yaakov is teaching the, the, the concept of what? Of? Gratitude. Of gratitude. Nasa Sukkota, he journeyed towards Sukkot. The reason this place was called Sukkot is because there Jacob built pens and shelters for his herds. Perhaps the reason that Yaakov was the first human being who expended so much time 
energy and money in order to assure his animals a degree of comfort is hakaratatov. Do you understand, girls? We always say that this is the top level of hakaratatov. Why is this the top level? Who remembers and who knows? Why is this the top, top level? Well, because they can't pay you back. Right, because they have no feelings. You understand? You don't even get the satisfaction of okay. seeing somebody smiling at you. You understand? <laughs> who remembers? Who else did that? Where else did we learn Akaratatov that even, even an inanimate object? Come on, come on. We know this. Jeannie. Oh, wow. Who? Oh, that's nice too. That's excellent. That is very good. Yes. But even with Chesed Shalemet, Moshe, Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Rabbeinu, Amy, very good. Moshe Rabbeinu, that should be, Hakarat HaTov should be one of the five Amudim of, 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 of Midot, of Yeshiva Flatbush, absolute, which is that Moshe Rabbeinu didn't hit the water, but the water has no feelings. The sheep has no feelings, but the sheep did good for Yaakov. So Yaakov girls now represent Hakarat HaTov. How do you get Zman Simchatenu? How? How do you do that? by recognizing the good that you have. That's the only way to be happy. Now, you ready? You ready? I hope you're going to like this. This is a bomb. Okay. Remember my question on, let's see if you remember the question. Let's go back to that pasuk. Do you remember that pasuk? No, there's not, there's not the pasuk. No, where to go? Where to go? Oh, here it is. It's here. Remember this pasuk? Hashem is saying that you're not happy because you're not satisfied. Then I ask you why it says these two words, Merov and Kol, right? Watch. When Esav met Yaakov, when he met Yaakov, Vayomer Esav, Esav said, Yeshli Rav, I have plenty. Achi, Achi, my brother. Ach, you see? Hatsileni na, miyad, Achi. That's the Achi. Esav is talking to Yaakov, and he goes, I don't need your presence. I have a lot. That's the midah of Esav. And he is the brother. Should the younger brother learn from the older brother? I have plenty? No, says Yaakov. Kachna et birchati. Take my bracha. And then he says, ki yeshli what? I have? What word does he say, girls? A call. Oh, what's the difference between Rav and Kol? What's the difference? I have everything. Rav means I have a lot, but you know, I'll take another piece of ice cream. Why not? 100%. You have extra pizza for lunch? I'll take it all. No, we can always use more. That's Esav. That's the Achi. Says Yaakov, save me from that Achi. I don't want to be like that. I want to be the Yaakov of Hakarat Hato. How beautiful is that? Now let's go back to the Pasuk, guys. Let's go back to the Pasuk. And now we got it. This is what God is saying. How do you get happy? Look how to learn this Pasuk. How do you get there? Look, girls. May rove move from rove, which is the Esav, call to the call. How beautiful is that? And therefore, Thanksgiving and Hanukkah is really together. Why? Let's answer our first question. What was our first question? Oh, guys, come on. It was, it was 18 minutes ago. What's our first question? Why do we light for eight nights instead of seven? And the answer is, you're going to take oil, and you're going to put it in the pan, and you're going to put it on the fire, and you're going to get latkes. Is anybody in the house going to say, 
Oh my gosh! Wow! You made latkes! That's amazing! That's a miracle! No, no, no. No one's going to say that. You know why? Because we take things for granted. Of course there's oil. Of course oil's going to burn. No! Who made the oil burn? Hashem made the oil burn. Who made the air to breathe? Every day is a miracle. And during Hanukkah, there is a danger of only recognizing big miracles. And everyday miracles, we're going to forget. So therefore, Hanukkah, starting at the end of Thanksgiving, is perfect. Because that's the Hatzileini na miyad achi. We got it? You guys got it? Or is that too fast? Good. Now, obviously, maybe somebody out there is saying, you know, this rabbi thinks a little too wild. So I wanted to save it for the end because this way you can't criticize me. You know who says this? The Ramban. Nachmanides says this. And I'm going to show it to you. Now, if I could work this part, that would be fantastic. Give me a sec. Don't lose me. Let's go to Word. Let's go to Word. Holy schneck. Here we go. You guys see this? The Ramban, the great 13th century rabbi, known as Nachmanides, differentiates between two kinds of miracles, those that are obvious and those that are hidden. The obvious, right? As opposed to those obvious miracles, the Ramban's hidden miracles are the majority of miracles we encounter over the generation and in everyday life. These hidden miracles can be seen or comprehended only by those who are open and willing to see the wonder in these occurrences. And he gets the Modani, which we'll talk about later. So Baruch Hashem, which means, according to many Mefarshim, this, oh, no, no, let me get out of this. One second, get this down. Yes. So according to many Mefarshim, so this is the reason why we light an extra candle. I think it's a great lesson to teach. I think it's the concept. And that's, by the way, I don't want to waste so much time because I have a lot prepared. That's why Alanisim is in which section, which section of the Amidah? Hoda'ah and the Modim. Where is it in Birkat Amazon? In Nodelicha, right? Because it's all about appreciation and thanks. Thanks, not for the big miracles. Thanks for the everyday miracle. Okay, everybody got it? Got it. I'm ready for our first video. I'm going to show you a video. I'm showing two of them today by one of my favorite speakers of all time. His name is Rabbi Y.Y. Jacobson. He has a different approach, and I think it's beautiful, to why we light, you know, eight instead of seven. Let's see if this is going to work. No, let me go back. No, no, I'm sorry. No, no, no. I got to make sure. That the video works well. Watch. Do you do you guys know that there are two boxes to hit when you share to make the video sound better? Like these two. You guys see what I'm doing now? You don't see anything. Here we go. Now we share, and now we go to YY. Here we go. I hope you like it. Let's get big. No, no big. Okay. There's a wonderful story about one of the great Hasidic masters. When he was a young child, his name was Rabbi Avram HaMalach, Avram the angel. And he once came to his father, the great Magid of Mizrich, Rabbi Dov Ber, the hiding place. They could not find me. They searched oh, yeah, and yeah, And he said, because he came to his father, the great Magid of Mizrich, Rabbi Dov Ber, the successor of the Baal Shem Tov, the founder of the Hasidic movement. And the young boy was crying, and his father said, why are you sobbing, Avramala? And he said, because I was playing with my friends at a game, of hide and seek. 
and I hid in such a good hiding place, they could not find me. They searched and searched and searched, but ultimately they could not discover my whereabouts. His father says, so why are you crying? You won the game. That's the objective of the game. They should search for you and not find you. That's great. You're the victor. He says, father, you don't understand. They stopped searching. They went to do something else. And now the father began to cry as he lifted his eyes to heaven and he said, Father in heaven, isn't this the story of history? You hid yourself so that we should search for you. But I want to tell you, you hid yourself so well, many people just stop searching. And for me, this answered that great fundamental question, why are we celebrating tonight? When the Talmud describes the miracle of Hanukkah, it tells us, that when they discovered the jug of oil in the temple, it had enough oil to last for one night. It lasted for eight. But the first night was not a miracle. The first night the oil kindled naturally. The holiday should have been established as a seven-day holiday, not an eight-day holiday. There are hundreds of answers for this great question of the Beis Yosef. But tonight I share one. The miracle of the first day, the celebration of the first day is for the fact that the Jewish people searched for the jug of oil and they found it. You see, when they came into the Holy Temple, it has been ransacked by the Syrian Greeks, violated, contaminated. A temple of Zeus, the Greek god, has been erected in the Holy Temple in the base of Mikdash. Pigs have been slaughtered for that Greek god. All of the cruises of oil usually used for the menorah have been broken, fragmented, scattered, shattered, contaminated, violated. When they come into the Holy Temple, what they find is absolute chaos. Under such conditions, who would even think to search for a jug of oil that is pure? It doesn't look like you're going to find that jug. And yet, they searched. The Talmud says, Batku, they searched and they searched and they searched. And they found that jug which when they kindled it, lasted for eight nights. Isn't this the story of so many of our lives? We grow up and at some point we have seen so much dysfunction, so much disarray, so much pain, so much politics, so much corruption. We stop searching for a jug of oil that is pure, that is wholesome. We don't believe you could find purity anymore in this world. We don't believe you can find wholesomeness, confidence, joy, love, friendship, authenticity. We become cynical, we become jaded, we become emotionally paralyzed, we give up on our dreams, on our hopes, on our yearnings. We don't want to be, we have had too many disappointments. We have been backstabbed too many times. It's much easier to stop hoping and stop dreaming and surrendering to mediocrity and making believe you died. In many ways, the miracle of the first day of Hanukkah is greater than the other seven days. You know why? The other seven days, there was a heavenly miracle. The oil burnt for much longer than it is capable of burning under natural circumstances. The first day of Hanukkah, we celebrate the human miracle. The courage and the conviction and the persistence of the human soul never to give up on its dreams never to give up on possibility, never stop searching for the jug of oil in your life, even if there's debris and there's rubble and there's dysfunction and you got so many issues to deal with and so many problems and a traumatic past, etc. Don't stop searching. 
for a jug of oil which is present and it is untouchable, it is wholesome, it is potent, and you will find it. And when you find it, you will kindle it and it will light up your life and it will light up the world. Happy Hanukkah. You know, I should just show him because uh, you'll stop coming to my classes. He's really good. I love that concept. It's the human miracle that not giving up, of searching. With that, I have to share with you something I found two years ago, a gem. And it's, it's just amazing because let's put both concepts together. You know, for someone to be a Yaakov, Hakaratatov, Hakaratatov really has to come with full belief that whatever I need, Hashem gives me. Think about that. Otherwise, how do you have Hakaratatov, right? How do you walk by somebody and they have something more than you, so you're going to say, okay, I'll, I'll swallow it. You can't swallow it. It's hard to swallow. You can only swallow it if you say, if I needed it, God would have given it to me. Agreed? But that means that we have to search our life. We have to search what we got from God and why we got it. So I hope you remember this. Let's go back again to the Aesop story. It's crazy how they are connected. Here we go. Let's share this one. And let's go to this one. No, let's go to this one. Yeah. What started, okay, let me get you off first. What was started the first encounter with Aesop? How did it happen? Come on. Gene, I'm not going to call on you every day. No? You're talking about when he came back from the field and he wanted the, the, the lentil soup? And he no, said he no, 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 I meant now, sweetheart. We're talking about, no, no, that, you're right, Elmar. We're talking about right now. What was the first encounter with the angel? Now, how did that start? How did that start? Why well, was he that? went back to get the pot. Oh, you say pot. I'm going to change your word in a minute. Pot. Here we go. No, you have to say no to pot. Here we go. Yaakov was left alone. And that second, when he was left alone, the man wrestled. That was the Aesop. Says Rashi, Yaakov was alone. Why? He forgot little jugs, little jugs. He says bottles. I'm going to go for jugs. And he went back for them. The Gemara returns to the verse, the wrestling, and it says he was alone. The reason he remained alone is to collect small pitchers. Okay, you got pitchers, you got bottles. Now I'm telling you jugs. From here is derived that the possessions of the righteous are dearer to them than their bodies. Okay, so if you remember, we always ask this question. We didn't learn it. But we always ask the question, why was it so important for Yaakov to go back, leave his family, and get these jugs? They're jugs. They're not a big deal. And then the Gemara makes a big deal and says, oh, a tzaddik really, really cares about his stuff. No, somebody who's cheap cares about his stuff, not a tzaddik. Okay, that's what you would say, right? Would you, would you go back for an aluminum foil? Like, what is that? So what do we learn from here? You know what we learn from here? Something very big, and that's why it's connected to Hanukkah, and here it goes. What? Oh, go open, open, totally open. Yeah. The Arizal. Girls, you know who the Arizal is? He was a very big Kabbalah, okay? Nusachari, the Ariz Mikvah in Israel. That Yaakov Avinu realized that every last item that he owned was given to him for a reason. Hashem has a master plan for him, and therefore all of his belongings fit into that plan. Armed with this awareness, the small jugs were as valuable to him as gold and diamonds. Are you seeing what's going on? This is what Rabbi Jacobson is saying. 
Yaakov is preparing himself. Look how everything ties together. His hakarata tov is steeped in believing that whatever he has, God gives him. So if he doesn't have it, he doesn't need it. But if he has it, he needs it, right? So if Darlene is going to give me a sweatshirt tomorrow, there's got to be a reason, right, Davida? There's got to be a reason. Because if God wanted me to have that sweatshirt, I'm going to have it. And then I have to think, oh, it's important. Why did God want me to have this? And you have to start thinking. And sometimes you don't understand, but you have to search and search what's the message. When you hear something, first of all, let me do this. Mishnah, it's, uh, Jeannie, I'm sorry to keep saying your name. It's your favorite Mishnah. You told me that once. Here we go. Who are you? Omer says the Mishnah Pirkei Avot. Do not disparage anybody. Do not shun anything, any item, anything that's part of your life. Every man has a reason you're there and everything has a reason. I'm going to skip this next little Dvar Torah, which means that's what Yaakov Avinu is teaching us. Yaakov Avinu is teaching us that if something enters our life, there is a reason for it. Now, you want to see something wild? I don't know if you ever heard this. I heard this two years ago, and it flipped the lid. You ready? Here we go. Right, where to go? Here we go. The Sifsei Kohen, that's the Shach. I'm going to read it slowly. That it was one of Yaakov Avinu's jugs of oil that the Chashmonaim found after all the other jugs were defiled. I don't know what that means, but Siftei Kohen says it. It survived over a thousand years. If this thought is combined with the Arizal, who was a big gadol, the lesson is outstanding. Yaakov Avinu knew he needed the jugs that were part of a mission. He didn't know what they were for, but he knew that if Hashem had given them to him, they have an important role to fill. And Yaakov made the fortunate decision to go back. According to these two great rabbis, that was the jug that they found. Girls, that is amazing. If we go with this Beirush, because it all goes together. That's the nace of Hanukkah. That's the nace of the first night that they searched. And a Jew has to live his life in two ways. A, appreciating what he has meaning, that if he doesn't have it, God didn't want him to have it. But B, search for why God gave it to you. If God gave you, I'm going to say something very, very difficult. I, and I don't mean to, I, I never had this challenge ever, ever. I, I, you know, our children are healthy, but I have a video. I don't want to show it because I have so many other videos, but I have a video of a, of a father sitting in a car. Maybe I'll show it next week. Sitting in a car saying that he went into a store and somebody was making fun of his child who had special needs. And, and he, he, he started crying and he's saying, I should have told them that this child has made my life. He said that. I didn't say that. I don't want those challenges. But I'm telling you that whatever we get, we have to search. That's the, that's the search. That's the miracle of the human search to see why did God give this to me? Why? What am I learning from this? What am I growing from this? And guess what, girls? Guess what? Yaakov Avinu didn't know. Look at that. See? Sometimes you don't know. So you have to just say it's precious and I have to take care of it. I might not know now. Yaakov Avinu didn't know for thousands of years that that was the jug that's going to be the Nero Hanukkah. I think I'm screaming too much. Yeah. You know what? Because I'm in my office and no one's bothering me, so uh, I can scream. All right. Everybody got that lesson together? Okay. Of course, I have to bring in Parshat Vayeshev and Miketz, 
for the same reason. You know this next thing. What did the Mishnah say? Every item that comes into your life and every, every, every person that comes into your life. Every person that comes into your life could be a game changer. Do not, do not look down. If somebody comes into your life, it might be hard. It might be difficult. You never know. We always tell our children who they went out. When you drive, be very careful because the guy you just screamed at might be the father of the girl you're about to go out with. You don't know that. You don't know that's going to happen, right? Okay, so you have to be careful. You don't know. Come on, come on. Who remembers? What do we learn in this week's and next week's Parsha that teaches us you have to always respect the people to come into your life because you never know. No? With Yosef and Sarah Mashkim and Sarah Alfin. Very nice. Who was that? Jen. Hi, Jen. Hi, uh, Davida. You taught her well, Davida. You sent her to a good school. Yeah. And here we go. Is this, this it? Is this it? No. Is this it? No. Is this it? Uh, yeah, there it is. They're upset. Everybody knows Yosef was thrown into the pit because of Potiphar's wife. He sees two Egyptian guys there. He has nothing to do with them. And he says to them, Are you listening? Again, can we just understand what's going on? Hazit, the guy's in jail. He's in big trouble. He's got his own problems. And all of a sudden, he sees two Egyptian guys sitting next to him. And they look down. Like, they look down, meaning they look depressed. I don't know. Normally, I would say, that's, not, that's my problem? These two guys are depressed? That's their problem. No. Vayishal, he initiated the conversation. Hashem put them there. And that was his ticket out. And he asked them, what's the matter? And they did the dreams. And that's how he got out. Is that amazing? It was an opportunity, right? You know the old joke. I send you a helicopter. I send you a rowboat, right? No, God, no, I send you people. I got to show you one more proof of this, and then I want to move on. Okay, one more proof of this, which I don't know if you ever saw this one. Look at this. Yosef is being sent by his father to go see, um, you know, how the brothers are doing. This is the one that he actually got into trouble with. A man found him, and they say that the ish is a malach. And he was lost in the field. And the man asked Yosef, what are you looking for? How do you understand that, girls? Okay. I'm walking down the street. I am lost. Another person is coming towards me. How do they know I'm lost? What would be the, what would be the obvious way this should go? Yosef was lost. He meets a person. Who should be initiating the conversation? Yosef. Yosef. Of course. Yosef should say, uh, hello, sir. Do you live here? Uh, are you in Flatbush? How do I get to, uh, you know, to Milmart? I don't know, right? How do I get there? But no, the Torah says that it's the man that initiated the conversation. Okay, let's see what the rabbis say. Ready? Hemek Tabar says, in truth, the Torah should have said that Yosef found a man. For it was Yosef that was wandering alone, searching and found the man, not the man who was walking on his way. Rather, the text comes to teach that the man was a messenger from heaven to encounter Yosef and bring him to such. And the man went and found him in the place. Okay, ladies. 
would, I'd like that saying, no, 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 come back, come back, come back, come back, come back, come back. Let's end this part with this. It appears that Hashem is sending a mixed message. The problem is, yeah, he's not sending any mixed messages. We need to listen better. Part of the nace of Hanukkah, part of what Rabbi Jacobson said, is to search, to search why was this person brought in. I mean, I know you can go crazy like that, right? I'm stopping at a red light, and there's a guy next to me. Oh, why is this guy next to me? Okay, I, let's not overdo this, right? But there are encounters that we had. You know, sometimes these encounters, ladies, are challenging. I have to tell you that certain encounters that I've had with certain people, I love all people, but certain people need, we need a lot more patience than others. It makes us stronger. Maybe God needed us to teach us how to be stronger, how to deal with something. It's a big deal. Maybe, 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 I, I, I don't want to... Look, I don't speak for God. I don't know. But maybe somebody had to go through a, 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 a challenge uh, health-wise in order to be sensitized to a future situation that they have to know how to deal with that. Who knows? Who knows? Maybe they had to deal. Maybe God is sending something in business to teach me, to train me how to, right, you know, equalize things in life. Girls, that's how we have to think. So Hakarata Tob is not just okay, you know, I'm all right. You know, I don't need the other sandwich. No, 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 no. Appreciate the fact that you got this. You got this for a reason. Okay, everybody got the message? Something new. And with a nice message and with Rabbi Jacobson on his second tour. Okay, we're going to learn Chumash now. Very interesting piece of Chumash. We're going to go to Bamidbar. It's not this week's Parsha, but it's Bamidbar. Here we go. No, 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 no. Don't go there. Don't go there. No, go back. Go back. Oh, no, 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 no. Give me a second. Yeah, here we go. Okay, you know what? Let me get off for a second. You guys know that we read every single day the Torah and the eight days of Hanukkah. Every day. Hallel and the Torah. There's no Musaf. By the way, I hope girls, you weren't saying Musaf. There's no Musaf in Hanukkah because it's not a Doraita, right? It's a Midrabana. There was no Korbana. Okay. Does anybody know what we read every morning? The scene. The scene. I don't know who said that, but that was great. That sounded like a male voice. So I'll, I'll let you stay. You're right. You're right. We're very religious here, but I'll, we'll let him stay. You know, this could, this could lead to mixed dancing. I'm a little nervous, but okay, here we go. I'm assuming the male answered because the male goes to shul every morning. Does any woman know what we read every single morning during Hanukkah? Oh, wow. Okay, here we go. What Parsha? How about what Parsha? Okay. Parshat Naso. Naso, right. It's in Sefer Bamidbar. The end of Naso talks about Chanukat HaMishkan. Whoa, there you go. Because Chanukat, I think we said that last week, it's like Chanukat HaBayit, right? Something new. We established something new. So it was, the, it was the newness of the Mishkan, right? They're, they're doing Chanukat HaMishkan. And part of the Chanukat HaMishkan, which was the first Beit HaMikdash mini, was that Nisiim, right? The leaders of each tribe, 12 of them, I'll get to that in a second, each brought korbanot and a present. So we read the korban and the present of each Nasi, because if you think about it, the Chashmonaim also renewed the Beit HaMikdash. Everybody got that? Was that too fast? That's understood. Does anybody know what Parsha is right after Naso? Halosta? 
Ha'alotzcha. Ooh, you say that like a nice Ashkenazi girl. Yeah. Ha'alotzcha. <laughs> yeah. So let's look at Ba'alotcha. How does Ba'alotcha start? Wow, look at that. Da'ber el Aharon, v'amarta elav, teeth, Hashem says to Moshe, speak to Aaron and tell him. Uh, I just want you to show, show you that it's not me. It's the Ramban again. Okay. Wow, what mitzvah is being given to Ara? Come on, what's the mitzvah? To light the menorah. Light the menorah of the Mishkan. Wow, wow, I'm getting a little like funny butterflies in my stomach. Menorah in the Mishkan. That's the menorah that the Chasmonaim lit at the holiday of Hanukkah. Is there a connection between the Nisi'im bringing the Korbanot, the Parsha before, and the beginning of Baalotcha? Guess what? There is a very famous connection that Ramban is going to see. First, he's going to bring Rashi. He's quoting Rashi. Rashi says, why does the section dealing with... The, you guys see it on the right side? You guys see this on the screen? Somebody say yes? No? Yes. Yeah. Why does the section dealing with the, with the candelabrum... Whoa. Following, right, why is the lighting of the menorah follow the dedication of the offering of the princess? I'm going to go slow. The reason is that when Aaron saw the dedication offering <laughs> of the princess, he became disheartened because neither he nor his tribe participated with them in the dedication. Okay, let's stop for a minute. How many Nassim did I say? How many Nassim did I say? Twelve. How many Shvatim were there? Twelve. Twelve. No, they weren't. Sorry. 13. 13. And Menashe got their own shevet. So there was 13. 13. So that means one shevet is missing. Which shevet is missing? Lady. Right? Did not participate. Aaron was the head. So now Aaron feels bad because all these beautiful Nasim, all these other Shvatim, all participated in the Chanukat HaMishkan, and he feels bad. So Hashem is giving him a consolation prize. This should bother you because as I said it, right? I was a little sarcastic there. Yeah. But that's what Rashi says, right? Whereupon the Holy One to him, by your life, the contribution, your contribution of lighting the menorah is greater than theirs because you're going to do the menorah. Okay? So I, I'm just going to, I'm going to tell you what he says. This is very long. Okay? Okay, 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 okay. Here it goes. Let me first show you. Okay. So first of all, I, I, I don't know. Are you, are you getting the ichy feeling that I'm getting? What is it? Aaron's like a little baby. So, so the other guys got, and they go, okay, you know, have a lollipop, go to the corner, you'll be better. And even worse, you're saying to Aaron, yours is greater. When do we do that? When do we decide whose mitzvah is greater than the other mitzvah? What does that mean? Why is the menorah greater than the Nassim? It's only one day. I'm sorry? No, they do it every day. He lights it every day, and he oh, does he say this all the time? Okay, I got that. Okay, all right, that's a nice one, that it's every day, but it's also limited. Also, why not the Ketoret? What, Ketoret is supposed to be the biggest Avodah. Why not any other thing that Aaron does? Fair, it's a good question. It's not my question. It's the Ramban's question. Are you ready for this? This part of it, you're just going to have to take it with a grain of salt. Here it goes. Here we go. The intention of this text is to derive an allusion from this section of the Torah to the Hanukkah dedication. Are you listening? 
The Ramban, again, this is not Besser. The Ramban says that God now, now is alluding to Aaron that there's going to be a Hanukkah. Watch, watch. Let me, if I don't get it right away, I'll just tell it to you. But you can look it up yourself. All right? Hanukkah. Why? Because who lit the menorah? Who won the war, girls? Who is that? And what family is that? Kohen. He's a Kohen. The Kohanim. There was, by the way, there were political issues, you should know, because some of the people who came from Malchut David were upset because they were not the Melachim, they were the Kohanim. But it was the Chashmonaim who rededicated, won the war, and they lit Hanukkah candles. So what? Are you ready for this? So first of all, do you understand that Ramban says it's an allusion to Hanukkah in the Torah? Are you appreciating that? Do you understand what that means? That's big. But now listen to the end. I, I, I want to rush because I want to get to the video. Listen to this beautiful. You know what the Ramban says? You know the, the Nisim, Mishkan? Beautiful. Korbanot? Beautiful. Girls, where are they today? They're not we here anymore. We They're don't have all that Avodah, everything, the Ketoret, the Korbanot, everything that everybody did are not here today. The only thing, yours is bigger than them because your menorah, which they rekindled your great-grand-great-great-grandchildren thousands of years later, is till today in the Galut. How beautiful is that? That's what the Ramban is saying. The Ramban is saying that God is promising that our own, your children are going to light into the darkness. You want to hear something beautiful? Girls, why are we lighting at night? What does that mean? Oh, because you see it better because it's dark? Is that what you think? Aren't more people in the streets during the day? You can't see the light. You can't see the light during the day. And there are people walking. That's the reason that we have to wait till the night? Let me ask you a question. When did they light the menorah in the, in the Mishkan? And in the Beit HaMikdash? During the day. If we're really, 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 really doing what? Right? Remembering the menorah that's lit. They didn't light it at night. They lit it during the day. So you're going to tell me because you see it better that way. I don't know. You you make it here. You make a big sign. Inspiration at night. Yeah. Say it again, Esther. I'm sorry. Saying maybe you need more inspiration at night. In the day, we have a lot of opportunities. Don't you hush my speech. Don't you dare hush my speech. Are you listening, girls? Look how beautiful this is. We dafka light the menorah after sunset because the menorah of the Mishkan was during the day because how many times did I do this pasuk? We had a base of Migdash, we had a Mishkan, everything was beautiful, fantastic. But like Esther Dana just said, but as we enter into the darkness of Galut, that's when we do the Hanukkah candles. Because it's those Hanukkah, the only remnant. Girls, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm getting so excited. I, I'm, ready? Do we do any other activity to remember the Beit HaMikdash today? No, no. Do we do 12 halos like the, like the Lecha Mishnah? You guys uh, sacrifice Ketor. Maybe I have a lot of Kalos. I do Ketor. But do, uh, do, do we put a kid on a Mizbeach and make believe we're, we're shechting him? No, we don't do any of those things. One, one item, the menorah. And the only thing we do to remember the menorah is Halakat Neirot Hanukkah Dafka after, after. Did you guys get that? Or was that way too fast? Okay. That was brand new. I hope somebody appreciated that. Uh, if you have time, I'm going to say it's a seven-minute video. 
it's just amazing. You have to be a little patient. First of all, there's a famous story. And anybody who lives in the last two generations who doesn't, doesn't see the hand of God from darkness to light, I'm talking about the Holocaust, is missing the whole there. It's really beautiful, girls. So I hope you want to stay. It's a seven minutes. Oh, Shrek, get out of there. Get out of there. All right. Why am I not having easy time? Okay, one second, guys. Oh, I know. I got it. I got it, and I got it, and it's fantastic. Be patient. It's definitely worth the whole thing. Now, of course, I have to get it going. Oh, there it is. I'm reminded once again of this extraordinary and dramatic photo. The story of this picture takes us back to December 31, 1932, in a city in Germany named Kiel. It was the eighth night of Hanukkah that coincided with Shabbos. Rebetzin Rachel Posner set up the menorah on the ledge of the window of their home. Her husband, the rabbi of the community, Rabbi Akiva Baruch Posner, kindled all of the eight flames. His wife, Rachel, looked out the window and what she saw was something surreal. You see across the street was the headquarters of the Nazi party and a large flag, the swastika, draped down over the building. For Rachel Posner, this represented the stark contrast between two world orders, and she decided she has to immortalize the moment through a photograph. She snapped a picture, and then she ran to light the Shabbat candles moments before the sun set over the horizon of Kiel, Germany. She developed the film. On the backside of the picture, she wrote these words in German. I will translate them into English. Hanukkah 1932. Judah will die, thus says the flag. Judah will live forever, thus say the lights. Indeed, just a few days later, Germany went to elections. It was the elections that appointed Adolf Hitler as the Fuhrer of the country on January 30th, 1933. He became the Chancellor of Germany. And over the next 15 years, the flame of Judah came so close to extinction. More than 80 years have passed and a few days ago, I was schmoozing with an old friend of mine. We grew up together in yeshiva in New York. He is today the chief rabbi of Berlin, Rabbi Yehuda Teichtel. And he shared with me that a little while ago, he was invited by the president of Germany. And the president says, Rabbi Teichtel, this year commemorates the 80th anniversary since Kristallnacht which essentially represented the onset of the Holocaust. How do you think Germany should commemorate this 80th anniversary since Kristallnacht? So Rabbi Tachtel told him, I was sent here to Berlin 
by my teacher and mentor, the late Lubavitcher Rebbe. He always taught in places and situations where one observes the greatest darkness. It is only a calling for us to introduce into those places and situations the greatest light. Why don't we erect a large Hanukkah menorah at the Brandenburg Gate in Berlin? President Steinmeier was enthusiastic in the very spot where Hitler stood and gave his fiery sermons, presentations, and speeches, enticing a nation to violence, genocide, bloodshed, and hate. In the very spot where so many of the parades took place, the motorcades inspiring hundreds of thousands of Hitler youth to murder, kill, destroy, and decimate. In that very place, the president of Germany, the government of Germany, would erect a menorah representing the freedom of the human spirit, the power of light over darkness, the power of love to triumph over hate. And he says, Rabbi, can I have the privilege of kindling the menorah at the Brandenburg Gate this year? And Rabbi Techtel said, Mr. President, you will be kindling that light that imparts light to all the others, what we call the Shamash. Indeed, tonight at the Brandenburg Gate in Berlin, Cherry Picker will lift up the Chief Rabbi Techtel and President Frank Walter Steinmeier. The President will light the Shamash. Give it to the Rabbi who will kindle the first candle. Thousands of Jews and people are expected to be present there. Friend, I want you to think about this moment. Eight decades after the Holocaust, the successor, leader of Germany today, turns to a Chabad Hasidic rabbi in Berlin and asks him for the privilege to light the menorah at the Brandenburg Gate in Berlin. If this is not a miracle, what is a miracle? And now come with me from Brandenburg Gate to Berlin, to the Holy Land, to our eternal homeland. In Haifa lives a Jew, his name is Yehuda Manzabach. He's also lighting the menorah this evening in Israel. On the ledge of the window of his home, there's a menorah. Look at the menorah, which menorah is it? It's the menorah of his grandfather and his grandmother, Rachel and Rabbi Akiva Baruch Posner, that was saved and came to the Holy Land and he ignites it and kindles it every single year. And each year when Yehuda lights the menorah in the presence of his children and grandchildren, he takes out the picture and he reads the note of his grandmother. Judah will die, thus says the flag. Judah will live forever. Yudev at Lebanon Abekait, thus say the lights. Who was right? Happy Hanukkah. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. No. Amazing. Amazing. Beautiful. Amazing. I Very want to call every time I hear it. Did you guys follow or do I have to explain? Of course. Of course. Is that crazy? He makes me cry all the time. Amazing. That is just, first of all, just the concept. 
that 80 years later, in that year, you know that picture when Hitler's standing there with all his parades, 80 years later, they light the menorah. And that thing with the menorah of his, of his grandfather, that's crazy. So that's the lights, and that's the hope.